1: Assalamu alaikum, my name is Noor, and welcome to this Muslim Girls podcast. So, this podcast was created as an outlet for myself to carry dialogues of open communication between Muslim women about various topics. But it also serves as a resource for women to have a platform to share their narratives of their successes, their struggles, and their experiences. More now than ever, Muslim women are being underrepresented and misrepresented in our communities and in the media. It is time that we create a space where we can hold the microphone and be able to truly and genuinely speak our truths. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the episode. On today's episode, I sit down with Jihan Hakim, who is a Yemeni-American from San Francisco. She received her undergraduate degree in political science from San Francisco State University. Jihan was the former president of the California chapter of the American Association of Yemeni Students and Professionals. At AAYSP, she led a board of six members where, together with the Yemeni-American community, they promoted educational and professional development. She has collaborated with numerous organizations, including the Asian Law Caucus in the Bay Area, To support amamsa communities by providing arabic translation educational workshops on islamophobia know your rights and voter registration drives she's also an ongoing panel speaker for the meet a muslim program thank you so much for being with us today Jihan. of course thank you for having me so I, i wanted to start off with uh discussing the importance of community bonds seeing that you have been um very involved in your community for several years What do you find are some of the positives of having a close-knit community and maybe some of the negatives as well?
0: There are definitely a lot of positives to having a close community bond, um, especially in my line of work where I aim to enrich and educate and um, be of service to the community. You can't really go into um, a, a community and you don't have any relationship or bond or credibility there. So um, having that close community bond has definitely helped me serve my community better because I go in there and they know me already. We have established a rapport and there's trust. That is key to um, making um, relationships work.
1: What are some of the, the deliverables of having a close community bond? Like what are some things that come out of it? Is it that there's more resources for for like, minorities, um, especially if you're looking at new immigrants who are coming in uh, and they're able to move in and integrate into kind of uh, another, let's say, uh, Yemeni community, there, there's a positive in the, in, in the aspect of they have support, they have resources, stuff like that, correct?
0: Yes. Um, well, I, I, think, I think another positive to having a close community bond is that we have a very conservative community. Mm-hmm. And uh, not everybody is easily welcomed, mm-hmm. um, and that's for various uh, that's for various reasons because there's that language barrier, and um, we have a unique culture which um, a lot of people may not understand. So, being Yemeni myself, um, uh, there's no need to kind of overcome those barriers because I am from the community. I understand the language and uh, the people know me. So Mm -hmm. um, that definitely is a a positive to having close community bonds because that helps um, build bridges even easier.
1: So what are some of the negatives that exist within having close community bonds that you've seen? So I feel like
0: some negatives of having close community bonds may be A lack of privacy. Mm -hmm. Um, Some questioning into one's personal life. Mm -hmm. Who do you live with? Um, How do you travel? Do you travel alone? Um, Those kind of questions which are personal. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a little bit of a blurring of those lines when you are really close with your community. So Mm -hmm. um, people feel like they can ask A lot of questions and um, that may be a negative because they may be questions that are too personal. And um, like myself personally, I like to keep my personal life private.
1: And do you think that there's a difference between uh, a woman's experience and a man's experience within uh, like those communities? Like are, are they more prone to be, to cross those lines for a woman than a man? And I mean, you work in... An area where there is both men and women, how have you seen your experience a little different from maybe the men that do the same work that you do?
0: I think off the bat, um being a woman, a Yemeni woman that is kind of socially present uh, and a little public, um, there are questions asked more so of women than there are men um, than that of men because um there's always. There's always that uh, inquiry into where is her family? Where is her husband? Why is she here? Where is her mahram? Um because
1: that's not the norm and they're not used to it. So it raises a lot of questions for them.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Whereas men are uh it's it's socially acceptable to mm. um have your picture on uh, social media or um even be uh on the news. With your face right. and name, so mm-hmm. um, it's 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 not a norm for, I guess what I do is not a norm. <laughs>
1: no, so
0: uh, I'm constantly uh, questioned. Um.
1: Do you think that those questions should be answered or no? Do you think that there is some benefit to saying, um, for example, my mahram is not here or I am here by myself, kind of giving them the reality, or do you think it's not anyone's business and a woman shouldn't have to kind of clear her name whenever she's doing something um, because time's changing and I don't think this, inshallah, won't always necessarily be the case that you're always having to, I feel like you're always having to defend yourself, right? That what you're doing is not wrong. Um, so do you, do you think those questions should be addressed or should they, or is, is it not important?
0: You know, I feel like we have, um, we have a long way to go Mm -hmm. In regards to kind of etiquette. I think there are some things that have to be left alone. And uh, the underlying theme is um, a respect of privacy. So Mm -hmm. these questions are personal. And we have to be respectful of each other's privacy. Mm -hmm. And personal life. And because when you question a woman primarily. And you're not questioning a man. You know that highlights... um, the difference or the issues that exist within our communities where a woman's integrity or dignity is always questioned. Whereas a man's, uh, he, his, his kind of respect is a given.
1: Right. And even though the intentions are the same, it's still.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it it needs to stop. (laughs) Uh, I personally don't answer questions that are personal unless I do know, um, the people that I'm talking to?
1: I'm the opposite. I actually, I don't know. I, it doesn't bother me. And maybe because I, I'm not like a super private person. I'm very extroverted. Um, I like talking to people. Sometimes I feel like if you can uh, sit with me for a long time, I probably would say more than I need to say to some people. <laughs> so it doesn't bother me. Um, but I, I feel like it's to each their own, and it's unfair to treat all equally. Just because I'm more open-minded doesn't mean people should expect the same type of information from you. But also, I think that our, in our culture, like, for example, older women, you find that they are sometimes of the most curious minds. Um, you know, what's the first thing they ask you when they meet you and they don't know who you are is, like, who's your family? Are you married? Yeah. It's, it's like, it goes straight, you know? So I feel like I, understanding the culture in that sense, I'm o- I'm okay with it. But then, um, because I know that they do this to everyone, but I, I think it's a matter of learning how to respectfully um stray away from that conversation if you're, yeah, if you're not, yeah, if you're not comfortable to say, you know, kind of answer it with the the shortest, uh, shortest amount of words. And then sometimes they get it if you're, if you're uncomfortable or, you know, you don't want to share too much, but people still will, will, and it's unfortunate because as women, people will still think that that's either us being, um, snooty or like, I, for me, I never want someone to think that I think I'm better than them because, oh, I'm educated or because I'm more out in the public or whatever. That's not the case at all. Um, I think we all yeah. deserve privacy just as much as everyone else. And maybe because we are more public, um, it's even more important that we become more private uh, for those yeah, reasons. I, that,
0: that's exactly. I mean, I, I totally respect our culture and understand
1: mm-hmm.
0: that, um you know these these questions are kind of a form of getting to know one another.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: However, um, there is a downside to knowing too much because um, then you become kind of labeled by whatever Situation, it is yeah. that yeah whatever answers whatever whether it's your family name or where you live or what city you're from or or whatever it is. I, I just uh, I choose not to engage. Because I just want to be myself, you know? Right. I just want to be known for Jihan and the work she does, um, irrespective of all the other layers of myself. Um, I think getting too personal affects the level, level of professionalism. And uh, that that's, that's my main focus, or I guess my main goal is uh, in my work. So we're not talking about if we're in social settings or right. in... Um, family gatherings. This is just when it comes to my work. I try to maintain the highest level of professionalism. So getting too personal affects that.
1: Right. It does. Moving forward, I wanted to ask you, um, you know, we talked about the positives, the negatives. I wanted to discuss what women bring to the table as community advocates and leaders. Uh, Alhamdulillah, there's been I think uh, we're seeing a lot more women being involved. And by involved, I don't necessarily just mean um, kind of behind the behind the veil type of thing where they're doing background work. or Like they're actually wanting to take position um, on the masjid boards and community boards and actually leading them. And you yourself uh, was a leader of the AYSP. And kind of in the work that you do, although I'm not sure, is there a lot of women that is there? Do you have a lot of female colleagues that kind of do what you do within the Yemeni community?
0: You know, the Bay Area Yemeni American community is uh, still super conservative.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So there are a lot of educated Yemeni. at mashallah. Um, uh, I have a friend that recently um, passed her bar exam, mashallah, mashallah, and she's an attorney now. Um, but still... There are not a lot of Yemeni women that are willing to mix with Yemeni men.
1: Mm-hmm. What about um, speaking publicly, or like you said, being on being interviewed for a, like a new segment, or uh, having your photo in the newspaper or online? Is that also still not culturally accept accepted?
0: There, there are some, you know, Yemeni-yat that are are doing amazing things, mashallah, and. Um, they're okay with being out there publicly, but there are still a lot that, um, that find it inappropriate or aib to do that.
1: Do you think it's them or do you think it's their families?
0: Yeah, I think it's them and their families. Yeah. And uh, Recently, we, we did a workshop where um, we had a group of families, mothers primarily. And we talked about, uh, knowing your rights and what to do when you're engaging Mm -hmm. with authorities. And we had put, as usual, we put a picture of the setting. Um, so that documents what we've done in the past. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we, we, we took a picture of the back of the, those present Mm -hmm. and I got About three phone calls and two Facebook messages with screams and how dare you put my picture there. And it was a a really big deal.
1: Oh, really? Did you end up taking it down?
0: Yeah, I did.
1: Oh, wow. And this is like not identifying a specific person. And it wasn't even maybe a full frontal photo of them. This was like uh, in a space. A gathering.
0: Type? Yeah, it was an in a school in a public space, and it was um, our organization with care and other families, and it was really far. It wasn't even clear, but I guess you can make out some faces. Mm-hmm. And so, within an hour of it being up, I received phone calls and Facebook messages. So we had to put it down.
1: Well, that's interesting. I mean, I I understand it. I feel like that the same thing would happen here um, in the Central Valley. But I guess that going back to my question, why is it important then that we need more women in leadership positions and just more involved in the community?
0: I think uh, female participation is key in any setting. I mean, whether it's in the home, outside of the home, in schools, in the political arena. I mean, women are a part of life, are a part of society. So we need to be in every space, Mm -hmm. Because as long as our issues are being discussed or solved or um, talked about, we need to be in those spaces. Mm -hmm. And if we need to be in spaces that are public uh, or political, then that's what we have to do because our issues are going to be on the table. Right. Mm -hmm. So we have to be. You know we have to have a seat at the table as well because who's 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 better to discuss and solve our issues than ourselves,
1: right? And I wanna I wanna get back uh, in a little bit to that about uh, our our issues and uh, being a part of those conversations. But how do we normalize the presence of women in the public sphere? Because religiously there's not an issue with it. It's obviously a complete cultural issue, and even with being in the states, even with Uh, you know, generations and generations and generations, it still seems to be a very big issue. And I think that that's what's holding us back because until um, our communities are accepting of not just women within their community but their own daughters and their own wives uh, being politically active, being publicly active, then it's always going to be a problem and there's never going to be enough representation for us women. How do you think if there is even a way to get people to to see that as being more normal? Do we just need uh, we just need more women who are willing to put themselves out there to do it and and maybe um, being a culture of kind of imitation, once they see that there's you know there's jihan, she's she's doing you know X, y, z, she's doing it in the public sphere, and everything is is good. nothing but positivity is coming out of it. I should feel comfortable with my daughter, my wife, my sister doing it as well. Is that something that we can hope for? Or do you think something major needs to happen?
0: I do think um, there's a lot of fear Mm -hmm. uh, from parents because there are stories of girls running away or Mm -hmm. doing all these things that uh, are vices that exist within this society. Right. Um, so and like you said, we kind of are a culture of, of imitation because when so and so married a non-Yemeni, so that kind of uh, opened the doors for others mm-hmm. to marry a non-Yemeni. Mm-hmm. Or if one one girl from the community started driving, then that made it okay for the rest. So uh, I have heard from parents saying, "Oh, mashallah, when I have a daughter, I want her to be just like you." Or mm-hmm you know, when my daughter grows up, I want her to do what you're doing. So, you know, I think it takes, uh, I don't think it's, it's the responsibility kind of falls on just one person or Mm -hmm. one family. I think we all have to kind of reassess our priorities and, um, think about what we want to do in this country. Right. Yeah. So I, I guess families, uh, we have to reassess our priorities and what we want for ourselves and our communities and even our country. You know, that starts at home, how we raise our kids and um, how we treat girls differently from boys and how we want them to prosper and succeed. And, and when, once, we, once we actually believe that girls and boys are equal, and that they're allowed the same opportunities as mm-hmm. their brothers, then, then I think, um, you know, fostering that kind of um, atmosphere will organically raise and foster children and young women that will be leaders in the community. But once, you know, like as soon as you tell a girl talking to boys is Aib, or driving is Aib, or working as Aib, putting your picture on Facebook as Aib. Like, you know, we we internalize these things and we, we question ourselves and, and limit ourselves and kind of restrict ourselves from realizing our full potential.
1: Right. It's definitely creating barriers for these girls because they are, they grow up in their condition to think that they are not adequate enough. And even if they feel they are adequate enough, they don't have the support uh, from within the those closest to them, which is their family, to do it. So they immediately give up.
0: Yes, yes, definitely.
1: It's very unfortunate. And um, you actually said something that, because uh, I wanted to get back to the topic of, of women being a part of the conversations that are being had about women-specific issues in our community. You talked about how, um, you know, there's, we hear we've always heard the stories of girls who leave their homes, those who kind of deviate a little bit, and um, maybe for whatever reason, um, whether it was personal at home, an inner struggle, they decided that they couldn't, um, that they weren't living, I guess, their true to their true self. My, my question, something I've always uh, asked, because this is something I'm very familiar with, it's happened a lot in my community, it's happened to those clo- really close to me, is... Um, I honestly think that we're having this this issue stems from uh, a flaw within our communities and within ourselves of not being able to be supportive of our girls and that maybe if we did have more of a presence of females within our communities and presence of females within these uh, like different discourses going on about you know what women can and can't do, then we wouldn't have this issue. Um, I've been working for a few years now in my community, trying to understand or trying to help girls who felt that way. And you'd be surprised at how many youth actually have a, like a large identity crisis, a lar- large large issues with about themselves and. Um, even in a, in a religious perspective, a lot of them grow up uh, not understanding what's culture, what's religion. And so when you're throwing in culture, things that don't make sense, they start thinking, "Why well, Islam is not making sense to me. And it's a struggle. It's, it really, I don't think people understand how big of an issue that is. And so when that's happening, I feel like the community needs to sit back and like reflect on why these girls who are coming from homes where... I mean, unless something they were facing some type of abuse, but if they were taken care of financially, and uh, you know, everything else was kind of there, they lived in a a healthy home. Why would they be leaving their homes? They're they're obviously dealing with certain things that the community is not addressing, and it's not fair to them. It's not at all to the girls that uh, their community chooses to silence them or chooses to tell them that they need to put up with it. Uh, for the sake of their parents or for the sake of this or whatever it is I, I've heard every excuse and I'm not saying that I'm not ad- advocating for anything I'm just saying that uh, we need to stop brushing it under the carpet and we need to talk seriously about these uh, type of things things that women are dealing with and things that girls are dealing with so what's your opinion or your thought on us being more involved in these conversations and what can that potentially what are the potential implications of that positively um in the future sorry that was a mouthful (laughs) it's something I'm like really passionate about like it's uh, yeah
0: no I I totally feel you because these are questions that I've been asking myself and others around me forever because I was born and raised in this community And this country, uh, you know, so the first issue, I think, uh, if we go backwards, kind of backtrack a little bit. So Yemeni men come to this country, they marry back home, they bring their wife here, that wife is not allowed to go to school, or kind of, I I don't like the word assimilate, they're not allowed to kind of integrate, you know, and that will mean that they, so they won't speak English, because they're not allowed to go to school. And uh, very limited access to driving. I mean, alhamdulillah, now there are a lot of women that are driving. And and I, I say driving because transportation is the means of you getting uh, your, your your daily um, matters handled, whether it's a doctor's appointment or going food shopping or, or whatever it is. So, so the, there, there's this generational clash. And then they have children, right? And then these children are no longer Yemeni just Yemeni, they're Yemeni Americans. And, uh, they more so take on that, um, American culture because they're at school longer, you know, throughout the day. So although we, we still hang on to the culture, mashallah, families are awesome when it comes to, um, creating and cultivating that Yemeni culture. Um, but still, we, we still have that, that, uh, you know that identity crisis, like you said, because you're trying to be American because you live in this country and your your peers are American and you're trying to stay Yemeni at the same time because that's the way you were brought up, and then there's no medium you know um, and then your parents can't help you kind of navigate through that confusion because they don't understand the American culture, so you're kind of stuck with, uh, yourself. And, and if you do have mentors or those that are going through what you're going through, then you'll have a little bit of assistance there. But if you don't, then you're, you're, you're having this mental battle and you're trying to find yourself. And that is so hard for young people to, to go through. I mean, uh, mental health in America is, is an issue for Americans who are, you know, not, not of immigrant parents. Let alone those that uh, have parents that come from a different place, don't understand the language, don't understand the norms and um, are having a hard time kind of um, whether it's discipline or understanding why they like this music or why they want to go there, or why they want to dress this way. So I think um, what we can um, point to, if there's a lack of something, it's education. That is the key to and I don't mean just going to college. For mothers to learn English, that, that can bring their relationship with their children so much further. They don't necessarily have to leave the home and go to college and work. I mean, just understanding the language, they can understand what they're listening to, who they're talking to, who their friends are, what their needs are. So that goes back to communication because there's a, a lack of communication and um, lack of understanding and I think that's how come these issues arise or or children feel like they are not understood at home uh, and then they feel the need to maybe leave.
1: Your brain needs
0: support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose,
1: treat, cure, or prevent any disease.
2: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active mint customers by
2: 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG.
1: And how do we remove those expectations that parents have? Parents who are immigrants, uh, they have this expectation that their children somehow are not supposed to change, that they're supposed to remain as Yemeni or as uh, cultured as they are. Um, but that's highly unfair for the children to be expected to not integrate within the, the country that they were born in and the culture that, like you said, they are probably surrounded by it more um, than the Yemeni culture, and I feel like the Yemeni culture is definitely more saturated when it's at home, um, when it's at social gatherings, but how do we change that expectation from parents? Like, Does it come from like religious leaders talking about it um, does it come from just our communities? What can the youth do? I mean, I don't know actually. This is probably, there's probably no answer to this, and I'm asking <laughs> you a very, very large question. But I don't know. What are your thoughts on it?
0: I definitely feel like religious leaders have a responsibility.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And um, there's actually a khutbah a few years back that a Yemeni imam mentioned that. Girls going to college is haram. So, uh, religious leaders definitely have a responsibility to help guide this community. That is, I mean, we, you know, all of our families came here for a better life, um, whether it's for economic um, reasons, political reasons, uh, whatever it is, we came here for a better life. And education is part of having a better life being able to attain a better life so if religious leaders promote promoted education as being something that is a priority mm-hmm. i mean alhamdulillah there has been um kind of um alhamdulillah within the last few years there's been a lot of girls that have been going to college and it's been somewhat normal um so there there have been changes here and there and and honestly, uh, another part of that is divorce rate has been huge in the Yemeni community. Yeah. So then there are single mothers or single women. How are they able to to, to have a living if, if not without a college education?
1: For sure. And also just um, things have definitely changed. I don't want to make it seem as if things haven't progressed. I I can tell you that in my community, there's a lot more girls probably more girls than guys in college, um, a lot more girls being more involved and a lot more girls working a more professional um, field rather than what most guys you know, work at stores. But to me, if there's still just one girl who is being held back from going to school um, or finishing high school or working, or anything like that, to me it's unfortunate, and it's still something that I think the community is responsible for, helping that one person, and that's that's supposed to be the benefit, right, of a close community bond, is we would uh, stick up for even, like, the weakest link within us, um, and so when I talk about this, because I've, I've spoken about this, and people say, well, things are changing, it's getting better, maybe it's not an issue that needs to be discussed, but it is, because also something that We know in our Yemeni communities is it kind of, uh, it's like a roller coaster. Things can be really good and then it just takes one bad thing to happen within our community. One negative, one scandal and it just, it kind of ruins things for everyone because going back to that culture of imitation, if someone does something wrong in a certain setting, then all of a sudden that setting is bad and that setting is inappropriate and if you were a part of that setting, now you no longer can be a part of it. So we do have to continue to have these conversations because um, it'll always be back and forth between we're leading to be more progressive and then we're also kind of regressing back to uh, you know ten years ago, fifteen years ago, or whatever it is.
0: Yeah, I I went um, when I was uh, president of AAYSP. I used to visit high schools, mm-hmm. and I had a meeting with. Um, I think about 10 to 15 Yemeni junior and senior high school girls, and Mm -hmm. we talked about future planning, (laughs) college, uh, career choices, and I want to say eight out of the 10 girls um, were not going to college, and felt that, uh, well, well, they said they weren't allowed to go to college, and most of them were already engaged to be married, and those that that we're thinking about college, can only go online. So um, I'm not saying that marriage is, is not a priority and it shouldn't be a goal. I was a stay-at-home mom myself. I married really young, and all those are, are beautiful things. Um, however, we can be married, have kids, and also be able to go to college and work. I, I think we kind of limit ourselves as women or as Yemeni women and we can do so much more so there's always time to get married (laughs) so uh, yeah so um so I I thought it was very unfortunate that uh, more than half of the girls didn't feel like college was an option for them or they weren't allowed to and then when I asked them why they said you know family didn't feel like it was safe or that Our families don't believe in that or, you know, the girls themselves didn't feel like college was important Mm
1: -hmm.
0: or something that was feasible. And I thought that was very sad because um, since when is since when has getting a college education been something that um, stains you Mm
1: -hmm. or
0: or affects your honor it it should not because I mean if we look at it from a religious perspective, education has been the core of progress in any civilization.
1: Mm-hmm. Especially for the woman because they're the ones who are raising the children, and exactly. raising the
0: future. Yes, mothers are their children's first teachers. So and it takes a village to raise a child. So um, it it definitely we definitely have to reassess our priorities and and um and make sure that college is a reality and a goal for our daughters and sisters
1: and sons i feel like a boy i don't want to get too into this but i feel like boys too face an issue with when it comes to college i don't think it's it's as severe as uh, the the girls but there's like this expectation of going straight into the work field right after high school or even yeah. most of the time while you're in high school. So I can see how college can be discouraged in that sense. It's a different situation than girls. But it's still something we should promote b- for our youth. Um, it's just the girls, we need to have a different type of discussion for them because it's multifaceted. It's, uh, It's supporting them that education is a positive thing, that it's not... That it's not something that's negative. It's not something, like you said, that taints you. Um, they need to have the support of their family to do it. They need to have the confidence to do it, which I think a lot of girls lack. Um, but I wanted to ask you, or <clears throat> um, aside from education, um, what are some other cultural barriers or struggles that um, you, as a Yemeni Muslim American female, have faced or some that you see within your community, um, kind of take place in the everyday life of a uh, of a woman.
0: I think a lot of the challenges I face are when we have workshops or events, and uh, I work with the MMSA communities primarily, which are the Arab, Middle Eastern, Muslim, South Asian communities, mm-hmm. and a lot a lot with the Yemeni community as well. So whenever I am in a setting where we are hosting a workshop or an informational setting for the Yemeni community, it'll almost always be predominantly men. And then I will be the only woman there.
1: Mm.
0: Although it is uh, an open event for everyone. Or it'll be um, just women, which is fine. Uh, However, it's awkward for me when it's just men and I'm the only woman. So those are some challenges because... uh, I mean, I, I was raised, raised just like everybody else, every other Yemeni, you know, conservative background. Uh, this is Aib. Uh, we would actually have to go um, we, whenever we'd go shopping, for example, and then there's a grocery store. If they're Yemeni, we won't go in <laughs> because yeah. it's like... Or if uh, you
1: see them, you walk the other way. <laughs> yes,
0: yes. So uh, we're kind of raised to be more open with non-Yemeni men than we are with our own men. And uh, I I was like that for the longest, up until recently. So, um, I mean, my job is to serve our community, and and our community consists of men and women. So uh, I I treat Yemeni men as I would treat any other man. We're we're all brothers and sisters in this ummah.
1: So when you're dealing with these type of situations, how do you find a balance between uh, for example, if you're doing something for your work, you, you have to maintain your professionalism and you have to do your job at the end of the day, uh, irrespective of the fact that you might have to speak to a Yemeni man if it makes you uncomfortable or, if, you know, it makes you, uh, puts you in an uh, uncomfortable situation. You have your, your job and your duties you need to fulfill, but then you have these cultural barriers where you, sometimes you might cross. How do you, balance that out, do you just, if it's for work, you're getting your work done, and you try not to think about certain things that you're doing that might be seen as inappropriate, even though they're not, for example, approaching, or helping a man who comes up to you and says, "Uh, you know, I was, I, I was confused about this or that, and would you help me understand, or you translate, obviously, it's part of your job, right, so you would assist him, but, in our communities, it's, it's rare that you would find a man would approach a woman or a woman would approach a man to have a discussion.
0: You know, I interact with uh, men all the time. And when I was with AAUISP, our whole focus was the Yemeni-American community. Mm-hmm. And I was the president with a board full of other men. <laughs> so, um, you know, first and foremost, Rida Allah. Uh, um, so if I'm not compromising my faith, then I myself internally don't mm. feel like I'm doing anything wrong. Um, that, that is honestly what keeps me going and what keeps me grounded. And and that is my happy medium, if, if you will. Um, and it's
1: so simple. No, I love it. I really do. It's simple. God comes first. Your, your deen, your haya, everything comes first. Um, as long as you have that, then it, you don't open a space for anyone to judge you.
0: Yeah, exactly. I'm maintaining my level of modesty. We're talking in a setting that is public. Um, you know, it's i'm I'm not violating any of the Islamic principles that I live by, even when it comes to work, I, I will never compromise my faith for work. So, um, although it may not be a cultural norm, for Yemenis it's not something that goes against my faith so I don't feel like it's an issue I actually contrary to that I feel like what I'm doing for the community is an act of worship itself because I'm there to serve the community educate them ensure that uh, their rights are protected and I'm on the ground a lot asking people, how are you doing? Have you been confronted by authorities? If you have, give us a call. We have attorneys that will protect your civil rights. Um, My program in particular is the National Security and Civil Rights Team, and Mm -hmm. we protect the civil rights of those that have been unjustly targeted by overbroad national security policies and that will almost always be the muslim community. So um you know I'm I'm there for them. So I don't feel like it's I'm I'm doing anything that will tarnish my image because I'm I'm first and foremost pleasing Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala and if that's not in line with some of our norms then I don't have a problem with it because um like I said that Allah Allahu
1: Definitely. I agree 100%. Straying away a little bit from the, the talk about our culture, I wanted to ask you about uh, a meet. Uh, it's called Meet a Muslim panel, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to know th- what the intention um, behind that type of panel is, and just if you could share with us a little bit about uh, your role in that.
0: Meet a Muslim is a public community forum. Mm-hmm. Which started after the San Bernardino incident mm-hmm. by a local um, a local mom and a local leader, mashallah. Uh, she's super active. Her name is Moina Sheikh. Mm-hmm. And I attended a Meet a Muslim for the first time in February. And uh, I kind of helped answer a question that somebody had asked. And then after mm-hmm. that, uh, Moina and I got in touch and she asked me to be part of the panel. So since then I have been part of the panel and, um, what Meet a Muslim is, is it's just myself, Moina, and Azam, another speaker, uh, three of us, we coordinate with different communities, um, different churches, different spaces. They kind of invite us in and mm-hmm. we hold a and a for the community and, non-Muslims will come and ask whatever question they'd like. And the aim behind this is for people to understand Islam, understand Muslims, and with the hopes of, inshallah, uh, building bridges between our communities. And um, studies have shown that if you know someone from a particular community, then you are um, more inclined to have warmer feelings towards them. Mm -hmm. and uh, not other them or feel negatively towards them. So that is the hope that we um, come to get to know each other and them understand um, our faith.
1: And what's the reaction been from people who attend? Has it been mostly uh, positive?
0: Um, I've done this for almost a year now, and it has been mainly positive, alhamdulillah. People will come and ask a variety of questions and... They will leave and they feel like they've understood a little bit more about Islam. There have been different situations where we have gotten um, either negative reactions or those who will come with kind of preconceived notions and Mm -hmm. their aim is just to kind of verbally attack. But, um, you know, that's kind of what propaganda will do it'll incite fear and people will take uh, the information that they hear on the news and uh, take it as fact and attribute it to our community and so they will come already heated with loaded questions or statements or different kind of things like for example somebody once got up and said why haven't you guys stood up for or stood up against 9-11. 9-11. So that right there is a loaded question because who are you guys? You know, yeah. Who are we to stand up and apologize for what a group of people did? So it's when you associate um, a certain act and for us it's terrorism with a whole community, 1.6 billion people, that it becomes an issue. So that that's there have only been a few times where people will come and kind of...
1: And those people already aren't they're not coming to learn. I think they're coming to make a point, and it's probably uh, it probably would be really hard to change the minds of those people anyway. Yes. Um, so they're kind of there just to entice uh, some type of problem or um, basically prove themselves right their beliefs that they have, which are already going to be ignorant beliefs that um, you know we all are somehow a part of this terrorist scheme or have ter- terrorist tendencies or something like that. So it's unfortunate, but you, I think you'd always have to deal with people like that regardless. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So they're kind of there just to entice uh, some type of problem or um, basically prove themselves right, their beliefs that they have, which are already going to be ignorant beliefs that, um, you know, we all are somehow a part of this terrorist scheme or have ter- terrorist tendencies or something like that. So it's unfortunate, but you, I think you'd always have to deal with people like that regardless.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely, for sure. That's, uh, it's part of the game. <laughs> like uh, Moina says, what we aim to do is change one heart at a time.
1: It is definitely our responsibilities as Muslims to educate those closest to us and to build those, um, to build those relationships and to challenge the negativity that is being pushed our way um, through the media. Today, especially with the the political climate, we have to become a lot more aware, a lot more active, and a lot more willing to discuss these type of things with people, um, be a little bit more vulnerable, and allow ourselves to have these discussions and have people ask us questions. And I think people just should always remember that it's always okay to say I don't know when someone asks you something. I think that's why people fear these discussions they think that only really educated really confident people can speak and that's not true Uh, you can always speak for yourself and your own experience and there's no shame in saying I don't know or I'm not sure and then going out and like looking for that seeking that knowledge and then going back to that person and then educating them yep inshallah. I
0: I agree yeah I think being uh, involved in every space is super important and and I know a lot of people don't want to get involved with politics. However, politics is involved with you, whether you like it or not. Recently, the Intercept came out with an article that said that the FBI has been targeting Yemenis through student groups and massaged.
1: That's scary. That's really scary. My goal is to always try, and I, and I hope I can succeed with every episode, asking a question um, of the the guest. Uh, ways in which we can help improve something so my question to you that I want to pose is how do we empower women and uh, to follow up with that I want to ask you what advice you would give to a girl listening who wants to become more active and is not either because of confidence issues or because of uh, you know cultural and family barriers what advice would you give her
0: I think a super important tip of how to empower each other is just that. I think we have to remember to be mindful and respectful of our individual strengths or weaknesses and remember that we're all people and we're all gherebeen fi bilad. So unity is so key in sisterhood and mm. you know encouraging each other by either nice Words of endearment, or you know getting to know each other, becoming closer, not judging each other, all those things are are very simple ways of empowering each other, having respect for our choices and decisions. Um, I think those are important ways of empowering each other
1: they're they're so important and very um, simple simple yeah about it
0: yeah, exactly I think having spaces where we Unite and get together, and not just for weddings. <laughs> uh, I right. think it's important to pick each other's brains sometimes because we all have something to share and something important um, to say, and all of our opinions matter. So, I think creating spaces where we come together is super important. I do that with um, sisters on a monthly basis, and they're mostly not Yemeni yet, unfortunately. I, I would like, we're actually thinking and talking about myself and a, a few of, of my friends from like a long time ago, we're thinking about having an, an outing where we kind of have a reunion. It's been so long since we haven't seen each other. And we're going to come together after like maybe a decade. And I think having a space where we come together and talk about things that are More than just uh, who got married and...
1: Like the superficial stuff sometimes. Yeah, what's the trend? What dominates our conversations. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Like more, like Trump is president. You know what I'm saying? Like (laughs) (laughs) that's super important right now to talk about. Like what are we going to do? If our community is faced with, let's say, a registry, what are we going to do? If our kids are bullied at school, what are we going to do? If someone's hijab is pulled off, What's going to happen? You know, unity is key to any thriving community. So I think we lack, I think we lack unity, honestly. And that's how come we're not able to be empowered or we can't empower each other because we're not united. And um, yeah, I think coming together in spaces where we talk about things that are important to us and important to this, to society are important in, in empowering each other. And um, some advice to girls, there is nothing that you can't do, really. Like, um, you know, stay curious and dream, dream big. And there's nothing that you can't do. You literally, if you live in America, you know, alhamdulillah, we are privileged to live here. And we have Mm -hmm. so many opportunities that uh, maybe our family and friends don't have back home. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And... We have financial aid in America. We can go to college for free. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, We have so many opportunities um, to make a a better life for ourselves and our families. And as long as what you want to do doesn't go against your beliefs, then you can do whatever you want, literally. And I want to say to mothers, because I'm a mother myself, is have faith in your daughters. Allow them to be themselves you know, have an open line of communication where they can come talk to you. And I know it's a struggle because I have teenage daughters and this is the age where hormones kick in and they, you know, they have their own way of thinking, mm-hmm. which kind of sucks because it kind of, uh, <laughs> it kind of it may not be what what you want, you know, what you want for them. but um,
1: But you accept it and you manage it the best that you can.
0: Yeah. Either yeah.
1: You, you, you continue to teach them those important values. Yes. But you have to understand that they're different. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And kind of respect their individuality. And I know it's sure. it's very hard. But if if you're not allowing them to come to you to talk about their issues or their challenges, then they're going to find somebody else to talk to. And that could be a boy that can be mm-hmm a Sheikh Google (laughs) or it can be um, someone who doesn't have their best interests at heart Mm -hmm. so let that person be you and trust me, I mean what I do with my daughters is since they were born what I do with my kids, let me scratch that what I do with my kids is I've always taught them Islam first and foremost learning Arabic, I've taught them Arabic as well And, and also we talk about What's happening in the world? What's happening in society? We talk about, you know, drugs. We talk about uh, relationships with the other sex. We talk about all these fears that all of us parents have. We talk about them because they have to know how to confront them. They have to know what to do if, if they're ever tempted or if they're ever pressured into doing things that go against our teachings So, you know, parents are the best or parents should be the first line of defense when it comes to those things. So um, I super um, urge parents and moms in particular to allow your daughters to grow and prosper and go to college, get a degree, because that is definitely an investment that will never go away it'll never expire it'll and and they'll the always have it that them. exactly no one
1: can take it from them yes exactly. and I think that sheltering is maybe such an easy thing to do um and it seems safe but it is probably one of the most dangerous things that you can do and when raising your children is to not talk to them about what you discussed because you're allowing someone else to potentially have those conversations with your kids and they'll influence their perception of drugs and interaction with the opposite sex and everything else. Uh, if you don't want your you to be the first resource to that, then you shouldn't shelter your kids um, as far as those type of things that sometimes might be seen as taboo to discuss. I agree with everything you said. Thank you so much for, for that advice. I hope that all the listeners that are um, listening and uh, really listen to that, whether they're a daughter or a mother, and that they can benefit from that. inshallah, I want to thank you so much for coming on and um, having this discussion with me. And uh, I've, I've already learned so much from you. And I, I wish you the best moving forward, inshallah, with the work that you do uh, within your community, within your um, your professional career. And uh, I'm excited to see more Yemeniats, inshallah, be more involved. And I'm hoping that we can, you know, one day create a, a large network from all over not just california but maybe even the nation of of women that where we can just empower each other because we all have the same struggle and one success is everyone's success and one struggle is everyone's struggle and i think once we see that we can definitely become more stronger and uh, help our communities progress inshallah
0: Totally, inshallah. I would love to be a part of that. That would be so awesome if there would be Imagine a network
1: of Yemeni <laughs> Let's <yet. do> it.
0: <laughs> all over the place. Like we can start a group and then we all, you know, give each other tips on how to do this and how to do that. You know, it, it would make life so much easier. I'm, I'm so down for that. that Thank works. you for this opportunity. I um, am so honored to be part of this and hope that whatever I have said has not offended anyone and any mistakes that i have said have been my own and Mm -hmm. anything that
1: is of benefit uh, comes from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and thank you thank you for listening in and i hope you enjoyed this episode don't forget to like and follow this muslim girl's podcast on all social media platforms facebook instagram and twitter also visit the blog thismuslimgirl.com where you can find all content information from this and all previous episodes